I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. Breathing wildfire smoke can make you wheeze and cough, <coughs> and it can trigger health emergencies, especially in people who have pre-existing heart or lung conditions. So it's critical to avoid smoky air. Staying inside is what we often try to tell people, but staying inside isn't always enough. Addison Houston is with Seattle and King County, Washington's Public Health Department. He says smoke can enter your home, so it's important to filter the indoor air. One option is to buy a HEPA or high-efficiency particulate air filter, but Houston says you can also build your own, inexpensive, DIY solution. All it takes is a 20-by-20-inch box fan and a furnace filter. Look for one rated MERV-13 and attach it to the back of the box fan. It actually pulls air through that filtration membrane as it's operating and will effectively clear out the wildfire smoke and functions really similarly to the level of efficacy that you see in a HEPA filtration unit. Houston's agency cautions that box fan filters should not be left unattended, and they should be periodically turned off so they do not overheat. But the approach can help people protect themselves from wildfire smoke in a pinch without breaking the bank. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Gratitude goes out to you today for listening to Eco Radio KC on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is a locally made exploration into positive solutions to some of today's ecological challenges for all of us working to create a healthier future for our communities and for the world you live in. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. My name is Darnell. Today, we will play from a December 2022 presentation recently produced by the Sustainability Sanctuary Coalition. We will hear portions of their rebates and tax credit presentation, which is information according to the Inflation Reduction Act. Presenters were Bill Rausch, the founding director of the Metro Energy Center for the City of Kansas City, Missouri. Bill Griffith, the energy chair of the Thomas Hart Benton Group of the Missouri chapter of the Sierra Club. Ken Riad, an online instructor for Energy Smart Institute. He is currently the president of the Heartland Renewable Energy Society. And Charlotte Riad, owner of Hathmore Technologies, LLC, and the Energy Smart Institute. The Inflation Reduction Act can take a big bite out of fossil fuel use, but rebates and tax credits for equipment that efficiently use electricity in our homes. Savings from these technologies can help our household budget. This program supports our readiness to buy electric vehicles, solar panel systems, battery storage, heat pumps, heat pump water heaters, and electric ranges. Energy audits, weatherizations, and insulation will also be discussed. We at Eco Radio KC are glad to encourage awareness and protection of our world. Our goal is to assure our listeners are aware of how we can create a sustainable present or a sustainable future. This will be a great radio hour. Now our show.
So anyway, I want to welcome you all. Uh, thank you for coming. Um, I'm Chad Cooper. I am the executive director of Sustainable Sanctuary Coalition, one of the hosts. And honestly, we can't do this without uh, many people. There's so many different people. Thank you uh, for everybody. I can't, can't name everybody who's uh, had a significant role tonight, I'm sure. And so we've got a great program for tonight. Um, also a very practical night that will give us uh, some ideas on how we can uh, uh, draw upon the Inflation Reduction Act as uh, individuals to draw upon some of those tax credits and some of those uh, rebates and those sorts of things so that we can not only help utilize those funds, but also so that we can keep uh, carbon emissions down. We've got three great speakers. We've got Bill Griffith, we've got Bill Roush, and we've got Sharla Reed, who will be presenting. They'll share more about themselves. Without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to, to Bill and let him get started. Yes, I'm Bill Roush. I'm uh, retired from the Black and Beach Renewable Energy Group, and I was the founding director of the Metro Energy Center uh, many years ago. It still continues to serve people in the area very well. I'm very happy about that. Um, and, and now I'm on the boards of the Kansas Climate and Energy Project and uh, the Main Street Credit Union. And when we started this, I, I'd like to give you some kind of framework to understand the entire Inflation Reduction Act, but I, I really can't do it. It's just so uh, large and covers so many areas, uh, homes and uh, businesses, industry. Uh, it's, it's really a, a lot, but I would like to give you a bit of a framework for at least the, the home part of it, which I think is probably most people's interest here. So the home part of the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, you can think of it in two sections, one way to look at it that way, and that would be rebates and tax credits. Those are the incentive techniques that are being used to encourage people to take these actions to lower carbon emissions and save energy and money. And on the rebate side of the act, these are intended to be point of sale consumer rebates that encourage behavior right when people are making the decision. The tax credits, then, the next bullet point, uh, are both uh, enlarged and they have new technologies that are added. Uh, and those, of course, are tax credits on your federal tax returns, federal taxes only, we're talking about here. And you would buy something or do something. And then as you file your tax returns at the end of the year or into April, you would then claim that credit at that time. So it's kind of a delayed, uh, you see the difference between the rebate and the credit. The, the tax credit is a delayed incentive that comes to you later. You have to be in kind of an investment mode to think about that. And not everybody is. So rebates are a fantastic addition to this program because it helps people who need the money now to save the money now and can't uh, wait till later. Another big distinction in the two uh, different kinds of incentives, rebates um, and tax credits, are that rebates are run, are state run. It's DOE money, it's Department of Energy federal money, but the states, it's money given to the states that would then run the program. And then the tax credits are their federal incentives. 
And the rules will come down through the Department of Treasury and the IRS. And so, you know, that's how that will come. So uh, not only are there two different kinds of incentives, rebates and tax credits, there's two different kinds of rebates, if you will. There's, I give you this kind of uh, statutory number there, 50121 and 50122. And the reason I do that is, is so you can, you know, part of the, we're not giving tax advice. And so you might want to uh, save these numbers to have, uh, you know, your tax advisor expert or that sort of person uh, look some of these things up uh, later in, in reference to that. But 50121 is called the home efficiency rebate uh, side of it. And there's no income verification for that. So that's a rebate for everybody. The 50122 is specific for home electrification, and that does require income verification. And I'll talk more about the details. Those rebates will be received from the state energy departments. Well, let me preface all this. There's a lot we don't know about uh, the administration, particularly of the state programs uh, in the Inflation Reduction Act at this time. Uh, so the, the Congress has authorized all these things to happen, but the federal departments and then the states will have to implement that and they will create specific rules and help people understand where to go. But I'm thinking that, you know, in the state of Kansas, for instance, and I don't think Missouri is much different, the energy office is just a vestige of what it once was. It's not anything comparable to what many states have. And so I know they're beefing that up and getting ready as much as they can, but uh, they may rely, you know, other states have the option of filtering these things through other agencies, if that would be helpful. Uh, and I don't know any inside particulars on that, except that they do have weatherization programs and things like that, that are run by um, groups that might be helpful. So Kansas, it's, you know, is going to get 106 million and Missouri, uh, 151 million. I'm, I'm not sure how that exactly happened. Oftentimes, Missouri has twice as many people. So uh, it's surprising that they didn't get twice as much uh, money. But um, and there must be a reason. Maybe it's income levels and that sort of thing for that. Um, the states can take 20 percent for administration, and that it will help states like Missouri and Kansas beef up an energy office to handle some of this. Now, the states won't even get their money until mid-2023. So no one should expect to go into a store or talk to a contractor in January of 2023, you know, next month, and get a rebate right away. That's just not going to happen. They National Association of State Energy Offices is trying to uh, facilitate the movement of information from the DOE to the states about these rebates and the funding and all things about this. And I listened to their presentation to the state energy folks. It's public. It's out there on YouTube. You can listen. I'm sure they said late 2024 is when they expect rebates to start coming. Now, I hope that is under-promising, and I hope they will over-deliver. So I'm hopeful the rebates will start flowing much sooner than that, but, but we'll see. 
Uh, again, on the tax credits, I did put um, the 25C and 25D uh, part of the Internal Revenue Code in specifically for people to refer their tax advisors to. And so you can have at least a starting point to find the, you know, the forms and that sort of thing that you might need. If anybody is deciding to do, a, you know, is doing a solar system now and they're paying the bill now, this law didn't change the fact that you still get 26% tax credit off the total cost of that system if you do it now in 2022. But if you could wait till 2023, that will go up to 30%. Uh, prior to the IRA, uh, the uh, tax credit was supposed to step down again next year, and instead it's going up to 30%. So the change in the tax credits, uh, first of all, there's more technologies than used to be available. I, maybe people don't even remember, but there has been on the books a $500 lifetime home energy credit. And you could only take that once, and you may have taken it years ago and forgotten about it. Uh, I don't know. You could still take it in 2022 if you've had those kinds of expenditures or, or want to make those in 2022. Uh, but that was once, and that was it. The new IRA is it, it completely different in a couple of senses. Uh, one is it's bigger. It's over twice as big, it's $1,200 instead of 500. And it's annual. So, and it's good through 2032. So all the years through 2032, you can take $1,200 in federal tax breaks if you make qualified expenditures uh, each year paced throughout that. Uh, so that is a huge mind-bending change. So th this will, for one thing, the solar industry in particular has never had that kind of dependable uh, tax credits on the books and guaranteed for you know a decade. The history of the solar industry has been on again, off again, on again, off again with the tax credits. So it is a wonderful change. So the credit is good for 30%, but it is capped for each technology. You know, for instance, a, um, an energy audit, which if you spend 500 bucks for an energy audit of your home, then you'll get $150 credit, tax credit. If you spend $1,000, you'll still just get $150 tax credit. And so they kind of set these up to give some guidance on, you know, an energy audit now costs four to $500. And so that maxes out that tax credit. And so... I think that's kind of why they were setting it that, that way. Now, there is an exception, and that uh, exception is for the new home furnace type of heat pumps. So if you buy one of those, you can go over, you can exceed that annual cap for up to $2,000. So that is the one exception that allows you to go to over the $1,200 in one year of tax credit. You can go to $2,000 if you're replacing your furnace with a heat pump type furnace system. The rules for credits, the income tax credits that are coming from the federal government, Treasury and IRS, sometime now in this month, we hope that they will be able to spell out the details of specific 
types of equipment. We have, you know, there's a sentence or two in the bill, of course, that says what types of equipment, but we expect more guidance in the very details of, of those technologies. And we hope that they can get that out to us this month so we understand uh, more specifically. It, it's not going to be until way into 2023 that the states will come out with detailed information on the rebate programs, though. So we'll have to wait on that. So I wish I could say it was different, but that's seems to be the way it's going to be. And, um, you know, we'll all have to do some uh, watching and, and work to get ready for that. And here's our disclaimer that we're not providing tax advice. You should consult your tax advisor in your specific situation. I do know that some groups are talking, you know, I'm on the board of the Kansas Climate and Energy Project, and I know those and some others are trying to maybe get some kind of energy navigator type person to help guide people through um, some of these, you know, the ins and outs, the details of this program, because here's an example for, for on the rebates for low-income households, which is under 80% of the area median income under the middle of the income for that area, um, then they can get coverage for 100% of the cost of an appliance that is qualified. That's a big deal. But there's rules to be followed and they're kind of detailed. And so you, <laughs> you need to, to do it right. And so hopefully there'll be some handholding and some guidance and some help so people can get what they are qualified for and it can aid in this transition to cleaner fuels. Moderate income households can get coverage up to 50% of the cost, and these are rebates, up to the cap. And um, if, it, if your income is over 150% of your state's median income, you're not eligible for these rebates, and so they wouldn't apply for you. And I want to mention this rewiring America. It's a word in that line that has the link in it. But rewiring America is a great website and a great group to get more details about the IRA and all the programs. They Their goal is electrify everything because that's the way they believe we can clean up. We clean up the utility grid and then we clean up everything. That's the path that they are suggesting and they see the IRA as a great way to get there. So you can find your the medium income, median income for the area uh, that way. For each taxpayer, the total discounts or rebates that you can get on uh, electrification project are capped at $14,000. So if you did everything the right way and just claimed everything you could get, you'd replace stoves and water heaters and furnaces and everything you can do, weatherization, et cetera, then the most you could get is 14,000. The 14,000 rebate limit is for the, you know, that's all you can ever get. So the, I think I'm, this is where I turn it over to Bill Griffith, who will uh, take you so, through some of these technologies that are listed here. Did you know your business or organization could be sponsoring this episode of Eco Radio KC? Learn more at kkfi.org marketing. 
bringing the positive vibes and good tunes every Tuesday morning. Steady roll down Easy Street with me, your wise guy, Easy Ed. We're hitting all musical directions from jazz, soul, rock to blues, funk and hip hop, where we unify genres and connect the artist with the listener with facts, stories, and a chill atmosphere. We have right on grooves, spinning wax, and motivating beats that'll guarantee to get your foot tapping. Get your morning started every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. by taking a cruise down Easy Street. Here's the calendar for the week of January 16th. Registration has begun for Paddle Missouri to support the Missouri Stream Team. Go to paddlemo.org. Wednesday, January 18th at 6 p.m., Ameren Rate Case Community Meeting and Testimony Training is hosted by the Thomas Hart Benton Branch of the Missouri Chapter of the Sierra Club. You'll find more info at sierraclub.org. There will be a Mid-Missouri Group General Meeting at 6.30 p.m. Thursday, January 19th at noon at the Johnson County Library, 9875 West 87th Street, Overland Park, maintain your ride clinic. You can learn how to get your bike in tip-top shape for spring at this free interactive clinic. Register at bikewalkkc.org. Thursday, January 19th at noon, Native Plants at Noon is a virtual event. Forestry staff will share how the shortleaf pine habitat was the dominant natural community in the Ozarks until logging in the late 1800s. To register, go to deeproots.org. Saturday, January 21st, 9 to 5, and Sunday, January 22nd, noon to 4, Eagle Days are at Wyandotte County Lake, Leavenworth Road, and North 91st Street, Kansas City, Kansas. The 21st Annual Eagle Days is a free event open to visitors to view eagles and other wildlife in their natural environment. Two locations in Wyandotte County Lake Park offer indoor nature programs and outdoor bird viewing areas. That's the Mr. and Mrs. F.L. Schlegel Library and the James P. Davis Hall. For more information, go to kckpl.org. Sunday, January 22nd at 9.15 a.m., All About Bees is the Earth Care Forum Series 2023. Open to all. Speaker is Sydney Plants, a master gardener, KU graduate in cellular biology, and she's incorporated her academic studies into genetic research being performed in the development of destructor resistance in bee colonies. This will be at First Presbyterian Church, 2415 Clinton Parkway, Lawrence, Kansas. Open to all, Monday, January 23rd, 9.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. You can join Kansas City Parks and Recreation for Make a Difference Mondays, the Paseo Boulevard litter cleanups. The community is invited to help tackle litter on the boulevard. Bags and gloves will be provided. Go to kcparks.org for more information. Please stay involved. My name is Terry. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. Have a great Martin Luther King Day. My name is Bill Griffith. I am on the Climate Protection Plan Steering Committee for the City of Kansas City. Uh, I was uh, put on that by Mayor Quentin Lucas. 
And one of our tasks was to update the climate plan. And part of what I was looking at was looking at electrifying, you know, households, buildings, things like that. So I uh, uh, had to do a deep dive into heat pump, heat pump, water heaters, things like that. So that'll be some of the background here. I was on the chair of the building subcommittee. Uh, I also have a background just real quickly in Sierra Club as a volunteer uh, dealing with utilities uh, renewable energy, energy efficiency, things like that as well. I'm going to look at the first two next, uh, heat pumps for heating and cooling. And we're going to do with homes. We're not really doing businesses right here with the bigger ones, uh, commercial ones. This will be residential. And then I'll be looking at heat pump water heaters. At that point, uh, we will move on to weatherization. Okay, heat pumps for heating and cooling home. This is really exciting stuff. You may have seen a few things out there for heat pumps. Just so we know, we are not talking ground source heat pumps, ones that are put into the ground with the lines that come up. This is air source. So they will actually pull hot or cold air out of the atmosphere and run it through you know, some liquid and then it will either warm or heat the uh, space it's assigned to. So this is, these are called air source heat pumps here. Now, the old type of heat pumps are the ones you might see in the South are stage one and stage two heat pumps. They can either go one speed or two speed. Those will not keep uh, houses in this area warm. But about seven years ago, a new technology came out, variable speed or inverter driven uh, heat pump, depending on the manufacturer, they'll use different terminology there. And the exciting thing about that is it will heat homes to a, a lot lower temperature. For example, the one in my wife and I's house right now uh, is set to go down to five degrees before it needs assistance from anything else. And, you know, if it goes down to five degrees, that's going to take care of oh, about 95% of what's needed for heat in this area. Uh, so that's very exciting what it does there. And in fact, some of you may know this, but, you know, Norway has a huge amount of heat pumps. Uh, Canada does. Uh, Maine's got a big heat pump drive going on. Uh, so there's some places that are a lot colder than here that are using heat pumps. Okay, so that's uh, number one there. One of the issues out there is we are still fighting. Some installers will come to a house and go, oh, no, you don't want a heat pump because it will not warm your place below 45 or 40 degrees. So uh, please, if you get someone like that coming to do a bid at your house, uh, bid them good day and find somebody else. So we do run into that a lot in this area, and also it's apparently across the United States as well. Next thing on the heat pump is it's actually an air conditioner that has a reverse valve. So you don't get a heat pump when you need to replace your furnace. You get a heat pump to replace your outdoors air conditioning unit. It will be a much more efficient air conditioning unit just on the sear level, you know, probably 16, 18. I think you need an eight, uh, in fact, you need an 18 for the tax credit. So 18 sear on the $2,000 tax credit. Uh, if you're in Kansas City, Missouri area, you can also get an average $750 rebate as well. So what they did, for example, at my house was take out the outside air conditioning unit, put another unit in, a heat pump unit in, and a new coil and uh, the heat pump has legs on it so it can sit up higher. 
so uh, snow can't get to it because you don't want snow right around it because it's trying to heat. And as far as wind goes, uh, if you think you're in an area where you're going to have a lot of wind coming in on it, uh, you can either put a little fence there or just plant a bush and that'll take care of that. So again, the heat pump unit will first be an air conditioning unit. So a heat pump's kind of a weird name for it, but you know it is what it is. And then what it does is it will either be a communicating or non-communicating system. Most of the time, you're going to want a non-communicating heat pump because a non-communicating heat pump will not talk to your air handle because if you get a communicating one, you're going to have to buy a new air handle that will talk to your heat pump. And there went another couple thousand dollars. A non-communicating heat pump simply talks, I can use that term, to the thermostat. And that's what we got. It just communicates with a the thermostat. And, you know, I can use app on my phone and, you know, raise temperature, cool the temperature down uh, that way. But definitely a, a non-communicating is probably the better idea there. Heat pumps also use a less electricity to start than a gas furnace or a regular air conditioner. So you don't have much of a draw when they turn on. They are also cheaper to run than a natural gas furnace. Now, this one was interesting because uh, I had to do a lot of research on this because the city of Kansas City, Missouri was concerned about heat pumps and would they cost more than natural gas furnaces if we were going to look at putting these in low-income folks' home. So found a couple of great studies on this and for a 65 or 80% natural gas furnace, it blows it away. It's a little better than a 95% gas furnace, but if, then if you add your AC savings, you're going to get quite a bit of savings there. So if you can handle the upfront cost, which it's not a lot more, but it is a little more, but a $2,000 tax credit or possibly the rebate, if that's a possibility for you. And then the Evergy rebate, which is separate if you're in Kansas City, Missouri, $750 couple other things here. You do not have to upgrade your electric panel for the heat pump because again, the draw is not much there. So you do not have to upgrade your heat panel for heat pump. Now there's other things you might have to, and we'll talk about that later when we get to electric panels there. Another great thing about it is let's say your home needs a lot of insulation. Uh, normally, you know, you'd get a home energy test and then maybe get some insulation on this. Uh, the heat pump I have can be adjusted up or down on sizing because sizing is real important on heat pumps. Now, not all of them can do that, but that's kind of a neat trick there. The main reason, if you're environmentally concerned about the climate, what a heat pump will do, it's going to take out a lot of natural gas and it's going to be cleaner. So if you can save money and also you know, have less toxic fumes in your house and help uh, on climate change, heat pump is a great way to go here. And it's uh, uh, just really exciting what's out there uh, with the heat pumps. And with that, let's go to the next slide, which is heat pump water heaters, the cousin to heat pumps. For the rebate on a heat pump water heater, it goes up to $1,750. That's income dependent. Uh, tax credit, 30%. So it's going to be kind of like solar right there. And, you know, heat pumps, uh, not counting labor, is probably going to be around, eh, you know, I'm, I'm spitballing here, maybe about $1,800 plus labor. Okay. Uh, so 30% is not bad on that. That's like, you know, five or 
they're not quite 600 bucks. Well, with the labor, you'd be able to deduct that too. So six or 700 bucks uh, on that. So it's a pretty decent uh, uh, assistance right there. You'll really get savings on the heat pumps on your bill because it really just sips energy. You know, depending, I obviously don't know how much everyone showers or how long they shower here, but, uh, you know, 100 to 400 bucks a year savings also depends on the price of natural gas. And one thing I want to mention about natural gas, natural gas prices can vary per month. Evergy, in order to raise the price of electricity, has to do a rate case at the Public Service Commission. And that's a lot more onerous for them and only happens every couple of years. So you definitely have some great stability by going all electric too. By getting rid of the uh, gas there. And again, you're not going to have that carbon monoxide, uh, formaldehyde or nitrogen dioxide, you know, coming out of natural gas water heater. So that that's a big deal right there. A couple heat pump water heaters are fairly new as far as the ones that can plug into a 120 volt outlet. And that's a big deal. So if you need an outlet where your water heater is, you know, downstairs in the basement or in a closet, it costs a lot more to have an electrician put in a 240 volt outlet than a 120 volt outlet. And you might have a 120 volt outlet nearby anyway. So it's cheaper to go ahead and get a uh, one of these newer heat pump water heaters, which really came out, I think, last year or the year before. Okay, electric range and cooktop. Hey, Bill. Yeah. Chad here. Um- before you move on, can you talk a little bit about, um, so with the heat pump water heaters, if they're in their basement, how they're going to pull the heat from the room and cool them down, cool the rooms down that they're functioning in? Yeah, they're going to use, um, they're going to use the air first in the basement, and then it's going to run through a lip. And each uh, company will have a little proprietary liquid on how it does that. And depending, uh, you know, usually they're going to be wanting to heat it, but, you know, if it gets, uh, um, but anyway, they're going to be using it, yeah, heat pump water, they're going to be using that to heat. And then what it'll do is heat it up to whatever temperature setting you have it on. Now, just like any other water heater, if you've got eight people taking a shower, I don't want to be the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth person right in a row. Uh, it's just like any other water heater. It'll take some time to come back up once you get new water in there. Uh, but it's going to use a proprietary liquid uh, inside a um, uh, long tube, you know, just depending on the company. They do them all a little differently. And then that will, uh, you know, if the air down in the basement's, I don't know, 60 degrees and, you know, you need the water temperature 120, that liquid is going to do that. Okay, uh, electric range cooktop. Uh, one of the main problems with gas ranges or stoves is most of them that we have in our homes are unvented. If you have one in your house now, check and see if it's vented to the outside because your water heater, if you have a gas one in your furnace, have to be vented outside. Gas ranges don't have to be, and that's a major problem. You mentioned the benzene there, again, carbon monoxide, nitrogen oxide, uh, dioxide, oxide, nitrogen dioxide, formaldehyde, all will come out of there. So definitely pollution for indoor air, for people with asthma, kids, things like that. Uh, again, going to electric will be a cleaner fuel. And, and let me back up, because I don't think I mentioned this earlier. So Evergy, 
you know, has a, a mix of uh, nuclear, wind, some solar, they're getting a little more, um, coal and natural gas. They have 10 coal plants right now. By this time next year, two of those coal plants will be closed. They'll be down from 10 to eight. Roughly that's gonna knock 17% out of as far as their greenhouse gases uh, off their system. Uh, is it enough? No, but it's gonna make things even cleaner than they are now. So energy moving too slowly, but in the right direction there. So I did wanna uh, mention that. But if you have a natural gas, uh, stove uh, it would really encourage you to look at the electric range or induction uh, stoves as a possibility here. Um, again, on the rebate, there's a $840 uh, discount. All right. Uh, I think we're done there. I think we're ready for the weatherization next. Did you hear a show on KKFI that you'd like to hear again? Go online to the KKFI archive and listen to anything that was broadcasted in the last two weeks. Simply direct your web browser to archive.kkfi.org. If you or someone you know is suffering from thoughts of suicide, you can dial the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988 or go to 988-LIFELINE Org. This is a public service announcement of 90.1 FM KKFI. The next one would be Bill Roush. Thanks. Yeah, there's a couple of things about solar and then we'll move on to weatherization. But the uncapped uh, 30% credit is for rooftop solar, meaning that goes on your home. Of course, you can mount it on the ground. It's, it's not a question of where it's mounted. It's just uh, this is the residential credit, which was going to phase out. It is not going to phase out over the next several years into 2032. So that is great news. This one's really exciting, actually, uh, on the battery storage. We've not had a battery storage credit or incentive for residences or industry or anything. So um, now we do. And it is also 30% through 2032. The batteries uh, need to be at least three kilowatt hours. That's really not very big that, you know, would run a house for two or three or four hours, maybe depending on how it's hooked up, whether it's hooked up to everything or, or just selected circuits. But that's the starting point, I think I you could say for the kind of batteries that hang in your on your garage wall or, or outside or that sort of backup power type uh, battery that the various companies sell that you may or may not have heard of. What's even better about this is there's no requirements about how that battery is used to get the credit. You can use it certainly as backup power. And uh, when your solar goes down, the battery then uh, takes over or when the grid goes down and uh, you can uh, run on battery power for as long as you have uh, stored in the battery. But the advantage is now that you can not only do that, you, you, you are allowed to use it for other things such as time of use savings. You could program it, for instance, to store up power when it's uh, cheap and then sell power back or offset power that you use when power is expensive, if you have like a time of day rate and that sort of thing. 
And there's many more things to come in that area. At some point, we might hear the term aggregation where companies, and this is already happening in some markets, you know, it's not just about your battery, it's about the 5,000 batteries that this company has sold in, in an area, then if you agree to it, you could allow them to use the battery to buy and sell power to your electric utility or to the regional transmission authority even eventually. Anyway, that it opens up a whole new potential marketplace and the 30% income tax credit is going to be very exciting for the battery storage area. I think that's going to go on to... Um, Charla Reed, who is going to talk about uh, weatherization and, and the great opportunities that are there. Weatherization always works. It never fails. Go ahead, Charla. Yes, I'm Charla Reed. I run the Energy Smart Institute. I did my first energy audit back in 1979, and I've been uh, helping homeowners and uh, builders and code officials understand energy efficiency and, and saving energy ever since. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, some of the details for the weatherization section, which weatherization always works. It not only helps you save money, it makes you more comfortable too. It makes you be able to use your whole house once it's actually sealed and insulated and all of that. Weatherization in this, in this act kind of flows through lots of different sections. And we've, we've talked about some of the different sections, but one of the things I want to make sure that you all understand is that this act is sort of a bunch of different acts all put together. <laughs> they, they took everything they could find that was energy efficiency, solar, weatherization, and put it together in one act. And so they're all different sections of this act. The HERA, H-E-E-H-R-A, stands for High Efficiency Electric Home Rebate Program or Act. And so that is one section that has some weatherization things in it. And then the non-business energy property credit is the one that Bill was talking about earlier that you might have already taken some advantage of and, and uh, gotten your $500 for replacing some windows or doing some insulation. That's also in here. I wanted to talk through this a little bit under the hero part of it. There's a $1,600 cap on point of sale rebates. These are rebates that you can get actually when you are purchasing the materials. So there'll be rebates available from the manufacturer on insulation, air sealing, and ventilation up to $1,600 uh, that you can get just cutting away that first cost. It'll just chop your first cost down. Uh, there's tax credits available which is part of that non-business energy property tax credit. And it's applied for when you apply your tax return. You will fill out your form and explain how much you spent on different things and get a tax credit for that. There's a $1,200 cap for that tax credit. And it's also limited by the type of thing that you do. So if you purchase a bunch of insulation, you can get up to $1,200 tax credit for the insulation. That takes your entire cap though. So then you wouldn't have any anything left for anything else that year. You can do it the next year. <laughs> um, you can get up to $250 per door for replacing up to two doors, uh, exterior doors that are energy efficient, um, up to $600 for toward windows. So you could do some windows this year, some windows next year, and get some windows next year, some windows the year after, get $600 per year for your windows. 
Um, these types of things are available to renters as well as homeowners. Uh, so if a renter chooses to improve the place they're renting, they can get tax credit for working on that as well. And people who manage rentals, rental groups uh, and landlords can also take advantage of this on their rental properties. Uh, as mentioned earlier, there is $150 available toward an energy audit. And uh, my strong suggestion is that the first thing that you do is get an energy audit, energy rating. It can also apply toward a home energy rating. And the difference between an audit and a rating is that a home energy rating actually includes all the financial aspects of calculating what's going on. So a home energy rater can give you a prioritized list of improvements that explain how much you're going to save. And so what is your full cost and how how fast does it pay back and things like that. So you can get some of that financial analysis that you're going to need to understand which part of this act am I going to go for, or which things am I going to put where. Then there's the home energy performance-based whole house rebates. And these performance-based rebates are grants that are given to the state energy offices to develop and implement the HOMES program. Now, the HOMES stands for Homeowner Managing Energy Savings. This HOMES program is another, it's another, another section. And with this, you prove how much energy you're going to save. And the way that you prove that is by calculating that with an energy model. And so that's the kind of thing that a HERS rater can do for you or an energy auditor, depending on what software they're using. But it has to have an energy model to determine how much money you're going to save. And the model has to be weather normalized energy use monthly and hourly before and after improvements. So that's just a, a restriction on the kind of software. There's got to be software used that is approved by the energy office to be used for this. And meaning that it's going to look at, it's not going to look at uh, this house as an average across the United States. It's going to look at your house in your location with your weather pattern. So in our Kansas City region, how much are we actually expecting that we're going to be able to save? And then the savings can be valued based on time, location, or greenhouse gas emissions. So a lot of this is up to the state. We won't really know what our states are deciding to do until they come out with their plan and they get their funding. And then they'll then they'll be telling us what all's happening. So some of this is a bit premature to tell you about, but we're wanting to give you a heads up on what's coming down the pike. The calculation must be done and a detailed report has to be given to the homeowner that shows the work that's going to be performed, the equipment and the materials that are going to be installed, and most importantly, the projected energy savings for that or the energy generation if you're putting photovoltaics or something that's going to generate energy on your home. Now, one of the important things throughout this entire act is that it talks about no double dipping. <laughs> you can't get a rebate on your insulation under the HOMES program and then get a rebate also on that same insulation under the HERA program that you've already received a rebate for from the HOMES program. So there's ways in there. The, the states have to prove that they have methods to ensure that people aren't getting multiple rebates and taking too much advantage of the program. Uh, now, this homes rebate program is good for all households. The work has to be completed by September 30th of 2031, and the rebates are based on energy savings. So a single family home, if the homeowner can prove through these modeled energy savings that they are going to save at least 20% and up to, but not including 35%, 
then they can get $2,000 in rebates for doing that work or 50% of the project cost, depending on which is lower. If they're saving at least 35%, then they actually get double that. So $44,000 or 50% of the project cost. Now, if instead of modeling the energy savings, you're going to prove the energy savings by measuring the energy savings, and you have a report showing, here's what I used before the improvements, and here's what I'm using after the improvements, and you can show measured energy savings of at least 15%, then there can be a rebate that is based on state average savings per kilowatt hour that goes up to $2,000 or 50% of the project cost, whichever is less. And then this also works for multifamily homes. With the multifamily homes, it's the same levels, 20 to 35% savings is $2,000 per dwelling unit with a maximum of $200,000 per building. So someone who's uh, running or owning a, a, an apartment building you know, could, could take advantage of this and be able to upgrade all of those units pretty nicely. If they can save 35% or more, they can go up to 4,000 per dwelling unit or $400,000 per building. So there's quite a bit of money available out here. And then they have the same thing instead of the projected or modeled energy savings, if they want to show the measured energy savings and they have to save at least 15% and uh, the state is going to say how much per kilowatt hour that they're going to pay for that. Now, the same homes rebate program also has a section for low to moderate income households. If the annual income is less than 80% of the median income for the area, then the rebate based on the energy savings doubles. You get $4,000 per home or dwelling unit for 20 to 35% savings or up to 80% of the project cost. So they're a little larger leeway. And for 35% or greater, it's $8,000 per home or dwelling unit or 80% of the project cost, whichever one is lower. And then the same thing happens. You can measure your energy cost instead. Now, the state energy office also has the option under the homes program here to choose to increase those rebate amounts. So the state energy office could take it all the way up to paying 100% if they wanted to of these project costs. It depends on how much, how many, how much funds they get and what they choose to do with it. So the federal government says this is a minimum of what they need to do, and they can actually increase that if they want to. Okay, that is the weatherization section. Pretty much that covers anything you want to do for weatherization, caulking, insulating, light bulbs, things like that, that can be modeled to show that you're saving energy. It also can include new equipment. So those heat pumps and things can be part of that savings. And that's really why you want to do that energy audit first so that you can look at, are there things I can do that's going to max out the homes program? And then I can get my new equipment under the HERA program and you know, may be able to take advantage of all of the various parts of this act and be able to do all kinds of things for my home. We've been listening to a Sustainable Sanctuaries Coalition production tax rebates and tax credits under the Inflation Reduction Act. Speakers have been Bill Rausch, Bill Griffith, and Sharla Reed. That's all, that, that's all we have time for today. There's more of this presentation, and we'll try to play it on another Eco Radio KC. Support for KKFI by the Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College. The Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College, formerly the Carlson Center, has been a venue for the performing arts and arts education since 1990, and in support of KKFI, 
offers a full list of events and can accept donations at jccc.edu forward slash Midwest Trust Center. Let's explore, let's question, let's decolonize together on Ebony's Bones. Tune in every Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is Professor Howard Zinn. The independent, non-commercial radio station you're listening to is really important in the maintenance of democracy. Thomas Jefferson once said, an informed democracy will behave in a reasonable manner. So if you care about being informed, if you care about democracy, if you're a reasonable person, you are, of course. Please support your source for uncensored news and views and the voice of your community. My name is Darnell. At the end of our hour, here is some environmental news for the week of January 16th, 2023. Democracy Now! reports. The governors of Alabama and Georgia declared states of emergency after severe weather swept across their states. The National Weather Service reported nearly three dozen tornadoes. In California, officials issued evacuation orders for low-lying areas. A new study finds ocean temperatures surge to their highest level on record in 2022. Another clear sign that human activity is warming the planet. Warmer ocean temperatures are tied to heat waves, drought, more powerful hurricanes, and extreme weather events. A new study in the journal Science confirms Exxon was fully aware of the link between fossil fuel emission and global heating, but spent decades refuting and obscuring the science in order to make maximum profits. The report finds that Exxon, in as early as the 1970s, predicted with breakthrough accuracy the disastrous climate path that is now wreaking havoc. French environmental groups are suing French company Denon for failing to reduce its plastic footprint. The yogurt and bottled water maker has recently been found to be one of the worst plastic polluters in France, where there is a law which requires companies to track and reduce environmental violations. The company markets its product in the U.S. as Danon. Inside Climate News reports, for the first time in a decade, the Environmental Protection Agency has proposed tougher standards for pollutions from PM 2.5, small inhalable airborne particles that are linked to a range of health harms, from heart and lung ailments to asthma and other respiratory conditions, and are commonly referred to as soot pollution. Environmental activists who have long urged the government to tighten its regulations said the new proposal doesn't go far enough in addressing the hazards of PM 2.5. EPA Administrator Michael S. Regan said the new standards will have lasting impact in communities all over, but especially those communities of color and low-income communities that experience an increase in particulate matter pollution. The federal standards have not been updated since 2012. 
Oil made Texas an energy giant, but even Texas is working hard to secure a footing beyond fossil fuels. It already generates more wind energy than any other U.S. state, and soon the air that lashes its high plains will power a new process, the production of vehicle fuel from water. Scientists say this technology called green hydrogen plays a big part in the world's hope to transition from fossil fuels and reduce carbon emissions. Until recently, green hydrogen fuel production cost too much to compete with gasoline or diesel. But that is changing quickly thanks to steep subsidies offered in the Federal Inflation Reduction Act passed in June. EcoWatch reports, in England, the government announced plans to ban single-use plastic dinnerware, including closed-cell extruded polystyrene foam trays, commonly referred to as the brand name Styrofoam, plastic utensils, and plastic plates. The announcement follows similar bans in Scotland and Wales. Scotland's ban on single-use plastic took effect in August 2022, and Wales recently passed a single-use plastic ban in December 2022. California is the first U.S. state to ban single-use plastic bags. The Lawrence Journal World reports the city of Lawrence, Kansas Commission recently voted to take action on a single-use plastic bag ban. Major investors want chemical companies to move away from toxic forever chemicals. In a letter circulated late in 2022, 47 asset managers worth a total of $8 trillion urge companies to phase out the production of environmental toxin known as per- and polyfluoroalkyl substance, PFAS, citing concerns over increased lawsuits and regulations as consumers and policymakers learn more about the dangers of these chemicals. The most polluted place in the United States and perhaps the world, Hanford Nuclear Site, which sits in the flatlands of eastern Washington state. The facility produced plutonium for the atomic bomb dropped on Nagasaki during World War II, and it continued producing plutonium for weapons after the war, helping to fuel the Cold War nuclear arms race. Today, Hanford is home to 56 million gallons of nuclear waste, leaking storage tanks, and contaminated soil. It's the costliest environmental remediation project the world has ever seen and arguably the most contaminated place on the entire planet, writes journalist Joshua Frank in his new book, Atomic Days, The Untold Story of the Most Toxic Place in America. Kansas Reflector Reports Kansas City's largest electric facility, Effergy, says inflation and plans to add more renewable energies are to blame for increased estimated costs of its infrastructure investments. Effergy's plan, which outlines investments in the grid and energy production, is more than $1 billion higher than the one it filed in 2021, which was $1 billion higher than its filing in 2020. The new capital plan 
plan also estimates $1.2 billion more in spending compared to Effigy's sustainability transformation plan, which critic already worried would overspend in order to benefit the utility's shareholders. Environmentalists say Effigy could save money if it transitioned more quickly to renewable resources. While much of the cost increase represents newly planned renewable projects, a huge chunk of Effigy's overall spending goes to existing coal plants. Effigy is expected to file a rate case with regulators in 2023. That's when it can ask regulators approval to increase or lower rates. Utilities like Effigy are regulated monopolies that cannot raise customers' bills to bring in more funds. But when they invest in infrastructure, they're allowed a return on that investment, benefiting their shareholders. Thanks for listening to Eco Radio KC. Please tune in next week or listen to our podcast. Would you care for nitrous oxide this morning? Or would you like a little CO2 and toast? Some ozone over easy if the lead has made you queasy. These aren't the things of which utilities are apt to boast. Global warming feels so nice in the morning, uh, but it gets a bit oppressive by midday. The polar bears are dying, amphibians are frying, but we have electric blowers to blow our leaves away. If what we do is legal, then we should not be concerned. The GOP's not worried about the coal we have to burn. So would you care for nitrous oxide this morning? Or would you like a little CO2 and toast? Some sulfur with your tea, a little mercury. It's the cost of the conveniences that you and I love most. A goodbye East Coast. Thank you for listening to Eco Radio KC on KKFI 90.1 FM, Kansas City Community Radio. Eco Radio is brought to you each week by a team of collaborators, including me, Craig Lugo, Terry Wilking, Brent Rysdale, Bob Grove, and Dave Mitchell. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not of KKFI and or the Midcoast Media Project. You can find our calendar and a podcast of each show on Eco Radio KC's Facebook page, as well as on our show page at kkfi.org. This is Richard Mabian, and you can send inquiries and comments to our email at kkfi.org forward slash contact or message us on our Facebook page. Up next is Fiesta Musicale, followed by Noche Magica. Our outro music is Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you've got till it's gone